It's time for the Charter Chat Podcast. Please welcome your host, Juliette Lucero. Welcome back, everyone. I am Juliette Lucero for episode three. I had the pleasure of speaking with a couple of the co-founders of Redwood Prep in Fortuna, California, located in Humboldt County. We discussed how they founded their charter school in a very small community and how the local community really came together to help get the school opened. So without further ado, here is my interview with Krista and Melanie of Redwood Prep. Hello, everyone. I'm Juliette Lucero, and I want to welcome you to the Charter Chat Podcast. For this episode, I am very excited to have multiple guests on the show. Today, we are speaking with some of the co-founders of Redwood Preparatory Charter School. I'd like to introduce you to Krista Croteau and Melanie Downing. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Hi. I'm glad that you are able to be with us today. Why don't we start out with each of you telling us a little bit about yourselves? Um, Well, my name is Krista Croteau. I am currently the director at Redwood Prep Charter School. And when we opened, I was one of the founders and the kindergarten teacher for the first five years. And then I've been in this position for the last three. I am our sixth grade teacher and our um, co-founder with Krista as well, and have been teaching for 15 years now. I'm currently also the um, lead of our middle school department. Okay, great. How did you both get started in education and in charter schools in general? Um, Well, I have a kind of funny story. I was a natural resources major. And um, Los Angeles Unified School District came up and offered interns for teachers in 19, in the late 1990s. And so I got my degree and then I went down to L.A., had three weeks of teacher training. And then I became a kindergarten teacher in Watts. I did that for a year and then realized this really was my passion. And I went back and got a credential and taught in uh, Clovis Unified School District in Central California for four years. And then um, my husband and I moved back up to Northern California where we met at Humboldt State and worked at our local uh, elementary school district, one of them, and met Melanie, the job that I got. We were job sharing. I taught part-time, she taught part-time. And we worked together for about six years at the district. And then we had this bright idea to, uh, we should start a school. (laughs) What about you? Um, So I've always, uh, I grew up in Humboldt County and have known since I was little that I wanted to be a teacher. And I took um, a part-time year to one of my children, my own children at home that um, was having some medical issues. And so I was lucky enough to um, encounter um, Krista during an interview and knew right away that she was going to be my my other half, my teaching partner. And so as our um, teaching relationship developed, we, we became increasingly frustrated with um, some of the regulations that, and the changes that were happening within the traditional school setting. And um, on the last day of the school year, we were sitting on the futon in my 
Sherman. Um, and we were just like, there's got to be a better way to do this for kids. And, um, and then that's, that's how the, the idea was born to, to open a charter. Okay. So how did you guys get started with Redwood Prep? What was the process like for you? Well, um, I, so I think in the beginning we were woefully naive, um, (laughs) blissfully naive, which is, uh, you know, we joked along the way we were keeping notes and we were like, we're going to write a book about this process. And then, um, after we were into our, you know, first year of operation, it was like, oh my goodness, nobody would ever do this if they, (laughs) the sweat and blood and tears that the process requires. So, um, So when we first started, it was just a lot of weekends and evenings, late nights, where the four of us who were currently uh, teaching would just brainstorm exactly all the pieces of what um, a school, an ideal school would entail. And so there was a lot of back and forth debate and really kind of um, nitpicking aspects of education and tuning into the current research and doing a lot of that, like digging to figure out exactly what it was we envisioned. Um, with our school. And I think that the second part of that is, you know, as we were envisioning what we could create, we were also trying to determine whether or not anybody else would want to participate in a school if we started one. And so while we were meeting on weekends and evenings, uh, we were also putting up flyers around town and we we rented the local um, rec center and, you know, just had an idea like, let's just invite parents to come and we'll talk to them about what we're thinking. And we'll just kind of get a feel for whether or not there's any interest. And so I remember that first meeting, (laughs) the five of us were terrified that nobody (laughs) would come. And then we were pleasantly surprised that we had a really uh, fabulous turnout and to the point that we ended up having, well, like maybe four or five of those meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you guys are in a, a small town, correct? Fort, Fortuna is pretty small. Yes. So there, there. It was interesting, I'm sure, to see that there was so much interest and need in such a small community when you already have other options available. It was pretty exciting, and I think that it was that energy that we gathered because as we would talk at these meetings and we would present our ideas, our parents, the parents who were there, it, it sparked something in them and they became excited and then they became our, our co-creators. Are you a teacher, student, or parent of a charter school and have a story to tell about your school? Head on over to charterchatpodcast.com to send in your story to be read on the show. And so um, in our founding team, we have a lot, of, um, a lot of parents who helped us along the way and helped shape ultimately what our, what our petition and our school turned into. And I think too, that energy that was generated in that um, creation year while we were writing our petition, uh, it was necessary um, to gather that support because there was so much to do and there was no way uh, we could have done it with just us. So having that, that inspired parents were really key in being able to get the project off the ground. 
Yeah, I think it's very difficult to start a charter school. And I hear these stories from all these different schools around the state. And it's very similar where a lot of work, a lot of unpaid hours. And in the end, it's very rewarding. What was really exciting, too, is that we weren't sure. I mean, each step unfolded as we went. And we we didn't have a clear path to the end mark. And so, you know, the first step was just to get our, our petition written. And when we started talking to the, you know, California charter organizations, they said, well, give yourselves what, like two years, two years to write your charter petition and to go through the process and get approved. So from the time that we were, you know, the four of us were sitting on that couch and then we joined our fifth, and we got our petition approved by the school board. That was about six months, eight months. So it went very quickly and we were approved, but we weren't sure where we were going to house our students. We weren't sure how many students we were going to have. So initially we thought we would open with about 50 students and we would have uh, split grade levels. And one Saturday we just got in um, one of our cars and we drove around town just looking for possibilities and we happened to I don't even think we meant to be looking at that church we ended up at the church of the Nazarene we were stopping (laughs) to just kind of talk about what we had seen and someone from the church came out and and took us on a tour and it turned out that they used to have a school there and we ended up um ultimately working with the Church of the Nazarene. And instead of opening with 50, we opened with 100. And there was, those were some hurdles as well. Either we had to um, do some ADA upgrades and really uh, be creative and flexible to make this space work, which is also a common charter um, theme. And we did it. And I think it was the Friday before we were school started and the- um, Five o'clock. At five o'clock, the the building uh, inspector came and gave us our permit to operate. But I mean, it was just so many moments like that where that were down to the wire and it just it happened. Everything had come together. Well, it was meant to be that with uh, <laughs> them walking out and of the church and seeing what you were there for and opening up on the 11th hour. It really felt like that. And and even, um, I mean, without the parents coming back to that idea, that community, that shared vision for what we wanted for our kids. You know, we had parents who were um, doing demolition. We had parents who were scrubbing toilets. We had parents who were digging ditches. Um, and that was that was all through our first five years. You know, we had parents who were coming and mowing the lawn. And... Um, and then when we were able, as soon as we we got into that first year, we set the intention to have our own facilities one day. And many charter schools never get to the point where they own their own facilities. Um, but we just fundraised and we worked together and, you know, with our network of parents who had connections around town, we ultimately were able to find some land and we got a USDA loan, which is kind of a big deal. We, I think we were only the second charter school in California to get a USDA loan. And um, then we started all over again and 
in 2016, in August, we were able to move into our own facilities and house all 220 of our students under one roof, which was yet another just kind of amazing and wonderful accomplishment. Yeah, that's great. And it sounds like being in such a small community, everybody really came together. And that's, that's different. You know, some of the charter schools are in these big metropolitan areas, and you are in a a smaller community. So it seems like it, it's working out for you guys. It has, it hasn't always been easy. Change is not easy in small communities. And we were the first charter school in our town. And, um, it was challenging. People felt hurt. It was felt personal. Um, but now in our eighth year, we've, it's, it's become normal and we've just become another school in our town and we work together with the other schools and the other administrators and we've normalized our charter situation here, which is another thing to feel proud and, and to feel so grateful for. Yeah, that's great. Now, you know, a lot of charter schools are unique. I know being in such a small community, that's one thing that makes you guys unique. But but what other, do you have any special programs or anything that makes you different than a regular school? So when we were having those late night conversations about what we envisioned, we outlined five core values. And, um, and then as well as our mission and vision statement. And so when we... Um, and it's been so helpful, too, because as we've grown and expanded and our, our staff is significantly larger than it was that first year, we can keep coming back to these core values. So um, we center around academic rigor, social responsibility, community, shared leadership, and educating the whole child. And so when we face decisions or um, new opportunities, we're able to reflect back on how um, it will fit in with those core values. So tell me a little bit more about the whole child. So when we um, when we we opened, we wanted to be able to create um, a wide variety of opportunities for our students. Um, it was at a time when the the push towards um, standardized testing was kind of big, and things were getting squeezed out. And you know there was reports of. Um, decreased recess and decreased art and those kinds of things that we know were so we know are so essential to students learning. Um, so when we built our programs, we extended our school day and made sure there was time within the day to um, involve things like art, um, hands-on learning, music, and we've since expanded that to really be a focus on STEAM. So what we have a, a science, technology, engineering, art, and mathematics lab that our kids visit each day where there's a lot of uh, hands-on PBL opportunities. Project-based learning. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that again, that has morphed that whole child. Like what is it, you know, being tuned into what our students need, having conversations with our parents and um, our students, as well as other um, educational leaders that are kind of on the cutting edge has really um, supported us to make sure we're creating an environment where whole child education is happening. I think it's also one of the things we do well is to recognize that every child comes to school with a set of gifts and a set of challenges and to help our students recognize those gifts and to develop them and to meet them where they are 
academically or otherwise to help them become the best they can be wherever they are. And so in it, each child is approached as the individual that they are and, and considered um, a contributing member of our community and recognized for their unique gifts. That's great. So is there anything that you wish you would have known when you started out? <laughs> no, honestly, I feel as though uh, the process unfolded perfectly. That if we had known all of the things that we didn't know, he might not have done it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it was it was this power of you know you you weren't a hundred percent sure what you were doing. <laughs> but you had you had faith in yourself and your colleagues and your parents that you could figure it out and that we had a belief that we could uh, find our way down this path and that, that we had the resources, whether or not we had the knowledge that we could develop the knowledge because we had the resources. And um, I wouldn't change anything about our process, would you? I 100% agree. And I think um, just being open to the process and learning, and we really tapped into each other's strengths. So along this um, journey, we really figured out who we were as, as educators and leaders and, and um, people and, and highlighted that so that we could really come together and, and create this. It was definitely... Um, not a one-person show. It's cracking me up because our biggest argument. So, side note: Melanie and I are also best friends, <laughs> and um, our we were on, we were traveling the summer that we had the idea to open the the charter school, and we were talking about what we thought it was going to look like and how it was going to be and how much as teachers we wanted to be part of the process of you know leadership. And I was like, I will never, ever, 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 ever be a school administrator <laughs> not want to be anything other than a teacher and yet eight years later <laughs> or even five years later there I was as the director and you know I became the director because I love our school and I love our, I love our organization and it was something that I couldn't have foreseen for myself but because I was willing to take that leap of faith and try something that was scary and way outside of my wheelhouse. Um, I've grown as a human and as a, an ed educator. And I think too, that's um, the beautiful part of this has been that I believe deeply we're doing amazing things for, for children and for families, but also this organization has been powerful for my own growth. Um, and I know I often, when I talk to my colleagues, it's similar stories. We really empower each other to be our best and to try new things and to take challenges and to stretch the mold. And I think that has been a, a surprising outcome of the journey. And I think that's important because even some of the school districts or some of the other charter schools have, you know, maybe even high turnover with employees or teachers leaving to go to a different place. And it sounds like you guys have really good and strong leadership at your school, which is very important for a long-term success well it is it's that shared leadership and it's the fact that no one person is on the line for everything and that we can use our collective wisdom to support each other and to to navigate our way through the unexpected and the unknown 
And how do the kids like going to the school? I think our kids, uh, so, I mean, we're TK through eight. So um, I think that our kids really appreciate their school environment. They know us. They know their teachers as in, you know, individuals. And um, we have a lot of fun. We tease. Uh, they're very empowered. And so they, it's been fun to watch our students who have been here since kindergarten. Our first group of kindergartners is now seventh grader. They're seventh graders. And um, I love it when they come to their, my office and they're like, listen, we really have a problem with X, Y, Z. We want to talk about it. Um, because it's, it, it's, we've been modeling for them what we want for them to be as adults, which is engaged citizens and active stewards of whatever community they're part of. And, and I believe that, that we are raising them to be so, so it's fun. And it's also like, oh man, it'd be so much easier if I could just make this decision. (laughs) (laughs) But it sounds like you guys are teaching them to be true leaders and instead of just dishing out the homework and giving them assigned <laughs> assignments, it's a collaborative effort, it sounds we've like. Been, we've been talking, our, um, our, the students that I started with as fourth and fifth graders, so they had come from um, traditional school settings. They're now... Um, seniors and juniors and seniors in high school. And so we really have tapped into them too, to better understand what is it that you entered in the high school strong? Where are there any holes? What, what is it that we could do to support our students? And so keeping that dialogue open with those kids as they've transitioned has been really helpful. And, and I think um, one of the things we're most proud of is um, their involvement um, in things like student council and sports. Right. So across the board, like we're seeing, um, you know, we're a small school, our our graduating classes are 22 to 24 kids, um, but they're entering a larger high school setting and um, all getting involved in one way or another, which has been exciting. Coming back to your school to get involved, you mean? No, within their high school setting. So, I mean, I think at one point we had um, the high school had a freshman class government and almost the entire group of um, leaders were from Redwood Prep. And so it was like <laughs> empowered to be in those positions of um, leadership. It sounds like you guys are really preparing them for the next step, which is high school in this case. Right. Well, there's, that's the prep, you know, so we, we want to raise students who are ready to be successful in high school and beyond. However, they choose to, make their livelihood, whether they go on to college or they go to technical school or they go to vocational school, um, that they can excel and that they can be successful in their chosen field. Do you want to help us get the word out? Help us get the show in the ears of more listeners. You can do that by going to iTunes, subscribing and leaving a comment. Now back to the show. Um, Is there anything else you would like to share with me today that I didn't ask about? (laughs) um I think you did a fabulous job we I mean we we like to talk about our school (laughs) (laughs) we think it's pretty fabulous and you know that we're also I guess the last thing I would like to say is that um no matter how successful we might be in accomplishing our goals there's always room for growth 
And so we're constantly taking feedback from our kids, from our parents, from our teachers, and reflecting to see, you know, where are we hitting the mark? Where can we continue to expand and grow our skills and our understanding? And how can we understand kids? Because over time, children are changing. And so I think that that's what's really exciting about education and what's exciting about being a charter school is that you have the ability to uh, make changes in short order to be responsive to the clientele, to the students and parents that you serve. And that's something that I think I really appreciate about this opportunity to work within a charter setting. Well said, and I was going to add too that um, we we have weekly meetings as a, a team and something under Krista's leadership, she's an amazing leader, has been to have those hard conversations to um, not follow the status quo, to dig dig deeper, just like we want our students to do. We do that as educators and um, coming together as a team and being able to dialogue and to look at data and whatever the topic is, um, to do so with compassion and uh, communication has been really helpful. And humor. <laughs> you know, and some humor and some chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today, Krista and Melanie. How does our audience find out more about Redwood Prep? Do you have a website? We do. So they can they can visit our website at www.redwoodprep.org. All right. Well, thank you. And until next time, I want to remind our audience to put kids first. Thanks, Julia. Thank you, guys. Yay. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Charter Chat Podcast. Be sure to visit charterchatpodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Just remember to put kids first. See you next time.